The way we take care of ourselves is ever evolving. And what we know for sure is that our mind and spirit are linked to our physical body and that our wellness seems to extend into our communities and the planet we all share. It is very, very clear that wellness is interconnected. We love spending time with you to explore and practice the breakthroughs, the insights, and the passions of incredible people helping us all see the world in a whole new light. This is HealthGate. Sherry Fernandez is the author of Life Mastery, Personal Progression Toward an Infinite Potential. She and her husband, Ken, have carefully studied the principles of success and have spent a lifetime practicing those principles. Sherry and Ken live in the heart of Boise, Idaho. They have six children and 21 grandchildren. Welcome to HealthGate, Sherry. Thank you. I've been looking forward to it. You have a unique perspective on finding happiness and you've created something called Life Mastery, which Trish and I really enjoyed reading your book. And so just tell our listeners sort of what the premise of the book is. The premise of the book, I guess, besides courses, personal development generally is, and it's best to explain it this way, people get it better. We all know that when we're stuck, we think we're stuck, we're actually backsliding. You can't just be stuck. You're either going forward or backwards, right? But you think you're stuck or you're backsliding, you know you're backsliding, you know that you're unhappy. And the opposite is true when you're moving forward. We all have this divine, infinite potential. And when we're moving towards it, we're happy, even little tiny steps towards it, which is all there are. And when we're not, we're not. And it's really that simple. A lot of people ask, how can I be happier? We'll take a few steps forward. And it's amazing how the happiness starts to come back when you start moving forward. So you put together this book to help people go through that process. Is that right? I've been teaching those principles for years and I thought I might get any younger. And I know them to be true from my own experience and the people that I taught. And I had never aspired to write a book particularly, but I wanted to make sure that I left what I knew. Besides, it's also the book that I wish I'd had when I was trying to find the answers and I was a young woman. So I wanted to be able to create something that people could actually just take and I hope is applicable. They could actually be motivated and have some tools to apply it. So you are a life coach, a health coach, both? I did have a health business for a long time. I opened that so that I could do personal, whole life personal development. I don't want to just work with people in one area. We're whole people. We need everything affects everything. And so I work in all eight areas of life. And if you're not signing up for that, you're not signing up with me because that's how I do it. But yes, mentoring and the difference. I say mentoring. We chose that term deliberately because the difference between mentoring and maybe coaching is mentoring is somebody who's been there and then help somebody else get there, right? So I didn't take a weekend course and just signed up with a company to be a life coach. I've been doing this for decades in some capacity or another. I learned it first the hard way. <laughs> yeah. And do you do this with your husband, Ken? Oh, yeah. We started together and we do it together. And I do more of this kind of formal mentoring. He does some informal mentoring. But as far as the principles that I teach, we both practice those. And you all have six children and 21 grandchildren. Is that true? Wow. <laughs> I think when you get married, he's, I think he's proposing, I think, right this week. So we might get a few more grandchildren before it's over. And your last grandchild was named Hope? Yes, during COVID. Yeah. Oh, how beautiful. So let's get into yeah. the book because Trish and I were fascinated with this book. And we know that life mastery begins by helping people determine their why and then expanding on their why. Can you talk about that? 
In fact, just yesterday, I was uh, talking with a client who's got some big decisions to make in life and starting her own business. And I made her go through a whole list of all the reasons in detail that she wanted to do this because she was kind of dropping the ball a little bit, right? You've got to have a strong enough why. And I explained that to you. You've got to have a strong enough why or you're not going to do the things you want to do. So we all have some whys that are internal. One, the happiness thing for one thing. And we have some internal whys of why we want to do a certain thing. But then I teach a couple of skills to expand your way, like having a big dreams list and having a mission statement so you know what you're here on this earth to do and you can help motivate you to do the right things and having a personal constitution or governing values. Those are three things that you can develop that help strengthen your why. But to be really clear on your why and to really develop that why and then stay focused, I assigned her to write all those things and then repeat them every day. <laughs> and then she put them on her tracking sheet, which is another skill I teach, how to track daily habits, to write down that every day I go through these all these reasons why I need to get this done. Because she's dealing with an emotional problem over here and needing to build the business over here. So it was distracting. She really wants it. But to stay focused on your why, and that's what makes things happen. Because it's a lot of everyday work, you know, and you've got to do the things every day, every day, every day to get you to where you want to go. Okay, you got to have a strong enough why or you won't do it. You'll quit. And that why is sort of an overarching why? Or can you have five whys? Oh, lots of whys. Like, because I want to make more money. <laughs> because I'm trying to set an example for my kids. All those, you could have 20 whys on why you're doing a single thing. But you need it all together strong enough to motivate you to get out of bed in the morning. For me, I've got all these kids that are adults. And getting out, you know, I still keep the move pushing forward because I'm trying to teach them how to live. I taught them, trying to teach them how to be 68 now or 67 now. They're going to look at me to know how to be older. So I just, that's one of my big whys is I'm still setting an example for my kids. I loved your big dreams list. You have 144 things listed on this big dreams list. Things like, you know, you want to visit Paris or you want to cycle around Lake Tahoe or you want to participate in a bodybuilding show. You have so many X's by your big dreams list, which I think is amazing, but it's such a fun tool. And do you continue adding things to it all the time? In fact, it's not still needs to be updated again, but you can see an updated list. My list on the website is free if you want to ever look at an updated list, because of course I'm still doing things and adding things. I assign this very first, both I talk about early in the book and to my clients, the first thing they do before they come to see me is I want them to do a 50 items big dreams list because a couple of reasons. It gets you kind of excited about life and also it gets them thinking big. It also helps them think specific. I want to ride my bike around Lake Tahoe. But I know you don't say I want to. We say ride my bike around Lake Tahoe, climb, mount, whatever it is, you know, learn to play the piano, however it is, but it's very specific things. But when you start listing those things, you get excited about life. And then we have a good platform to go back to daily habits and the things we have to do to get there. But a big dreams list helps you see all the possibilities of life. And then how is that different from the mission statement? Then a mission statement is we all are here with a purpose. We have certain talents and things we want to do to make a difference. Even though the verbiage could change a little bit, you're doing this podcast, for example, for some reason. There's some mission that you fill and it's probably been in some form or another with you all of your life. Like, you know, mine is to help people develop. It's just always been my thing. And I'm going to do it in some method or another. So I have an actual formal statement. You can read that in the book, but a short one line statement that said, this is why I'm here. This is a difference I'm trying to make. And so again, then when you're tempted to do maybe a thing that is not worthy of you, or you're trying to make a decision between two roads to take, maybe should I do this thing in this my career, do this thing? Well, here's my mission statement. This is what I'm about. This is more in alignment with my mission. So that's more about a deep-seated, always a way to give back and a way to make decisions about what you want in life. 
the governing values is more like a constitution. You remember Benjamin Franklin had his 13 virtues. It's more like that. These are the things I believe in. This is what's valuable to me. I believe in being honest. I believe in serving other people. I believe in whatever it is it is. I think I use my husband, an example from my husband's list of governing values. He has one about me, which I really, really like, but I thought it was selfish to share it. So, what is it? Can you share it? Oh, on it's the like podcast? a paragraph, but it's just about, because some people do them like, yes. like some people do a whole paragraph on each one and Ken did it his that way. I've got a couple of sentences, so I couldn't repeat the whole thing, but it's really nice. <laughs> When the book right now is not about me. But oh, not, I live my life with joy. Yeah, I live my life with joy. And on the audio, he actually reads it. I read the book, but he reads that and another thing that I quoted him in about fiction. So how do you guys work together? So if I'm somebody that wants to have a mentor, do I get both of you? Or is he mentor folks and you mentor folks? If you mentor with me, you get everybody. That I, know. I got you. You get the whole team. If I'm working with somebody in their they need a little more advanced. Like I can w- work with them in business, but if it gets too deep in the numbers and that kind of thing, gotcha. I have to meet with Ken. If they're looking on budgeting, same thing. It's not my jam. I don't love it. And Ken's a lot better with it. So I'll have a meet with him. Sometimes I'll have a man who may be struggling a little bit in the marriage thing. And I think Ken might be a better fit for them for just a session. And he doesn't ever charge to do this. And I do. <laughs> but he meets with young entrepreneurs all the time. People are trying to build a business. He'll help them figure out if a business is viable or not viable. So he'll like go to lunch or have them come over, spend an hour. He might meet with them one or two or three times, help them get a business started. Or maybe some young couple needs help with budgeting and he'll just take them on and help with budgeting. So he does that kind of thing. So I feel like our jam right now in life is to just help other people's life go around. I think I'm pretty generous with my time and I try not to make it hard on people. And the reason I charge, let me just say, this is such an important principle. I learned this hard way too, both in my fitness business and in mentoring. If they don't pay, they don't work as hard. They don't take it as serious. I could do it for free. I don't need their money. But they don't pay, they don't do as well. And that's just a fact. So I try to find a price point where I don't price anyone out, but they can still do it. Right. And that's one of your eight major areas of life, right? Number five is the money discussion. And nobody ever works with me. They don't end up with more money, you know, either the potential or more more money. It's just no matter what they were coming in for, they always end up with more money because they're starting to learn principles, you know. Let's get into those principles. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk about those principles. (laughs) Let's begin with the physical, the area. These are major areas in our lives that we can make changes to be happier, really. Taking charge of your own health, which is something Trisha and I talk about all the time. What are some of the most important things we can do or not do to keep us physically healthy? Well, you got to eat real food and move. <laughs> eat, move, eat, move, eat, move all day long. <laughs> and make sure the food you eat is real food. You know, we have non-food food and we have food food. And when we eat real food and lots of it, we're healthier. It's so interesting to me. I think it's so interesting that while mostly interesting is such a truth and it's such an unknown truth that the way to be lean and strong is to eat. It's what you eat and when you eat it that matters. So you should never be hungry. We weren't intended to be hungry. You shouldn't have to go hungry to lose weight. You just eat. Don't put the junk in your mouth. And it's not even that hard (laughs) and so much misery caused by it. So anyway, I have helped when I had my fitness business, I worked with hundreds of people and very effectively. So anyway, that, and then you move intensely and move frequently through the day. And that's really a lot. You know, you get those two things down, then the other things are pretty minor. 
spirituality. When I was reading the chapter on spirituality, you said something that is so true and hard to remember in our busy lives, that there are wonders all around us if we look for them. So talk about awe and wonder. It's always such a favorite topic. (laughs) There is awe everywhere, but it requires a certain amount of mindfulness to be aware. We're always thinking what we're going to do next or what we just did or what we're going to do or what somebody said to us or, you know, our mind is every forward, backward. We have to be in the moment to experience awe, which requires a little bit of mindfulness, which I think is essential for spirituality. We have to be aware. I notice when I'm really good at noticing moments of awe, sometimes I call moments of joy, just that little flickering. Not that I sit down and write it in my journal, which is not really a practice. I espouse particularly all the things I'm grateful for. But when I just realized that bird, when I saw that bird, or I got in my car the other day and we've had bad weather here, like most of the nation, until just recently I got in the car and it was warm and I just had this moment of well-being and joy. Those little things, when I focus on those little things, I'm happier. I'm happier all day long. Not focus on them, but I just am aware of them. I shouldn't say focus, but I just, ah, that was a nice moment of well-being. Or that bird, it made me feel good to see that bird. We live out where there's a lot of birds of prey and there's a bald eagle here on Sunday. And, you know, when I see that kind of thing, so always of awe. Do they sort of align too with moments of gratitude or are they different? Gratitude and awe, kind of a different thing. Well, as you read the book, you know, I've got a little bit of a different take on gratitude. I am actually a huge believer in gratitude, but I think we do all of this gratitude stuff and it's actually like, let me think of what I'm grateful for. And it's not really coming from real gratitude. Here's my journal. All the things I'm going to list are going to be thankful for. Well, but do you really feel grateful? Like that really internal gratitude. So I'm not a big fan of that. I'm a bigger fan of if you've got gratitude towards something or somebody, thank somebody. If you're grateful for something, tell somebody. Silent gratitude isn't much use to anybody, right? I'm not saying it's not a bad thing. It's, it's a good thing to be aware. But I would rather have a feeling of gratitude and then write that rather than sit down and make a list of things that I'm grateful for. But I'm like, today I saw the golden eagle and it just felt like, you know, or today I was able to see this owl in the tree or the sunshine, or I just was doing this and I write that in my journal and I'm grateful for that. I just don't think it's useful. Just me, I'm probably, I could be wrong. <laughs> so relationships, we'll move on into that. We know there's been a lot of studies that tell us relationships are critical to our health. How do we maintain healthy relationships? What are some of the tools that you recommend? I do have a little exercise in there on how to distance yourself from toxic people. Who you surround yourself with matters. I'm not a big fan of confronting people about things. You just, an exercise in there, how you just move people out in your own mind. If they're toxic, you know, just sort of slide them out into a category you can live with where you don't have to spend too much time with them. So that getting rid of toxic people is huge. And time, if you want to develop a relationship with anybody, child, spouse, God, friend, they require time. Time is the food of relationships. It just is. When I was a young mother, it was the the now generation, you know, National Organization for Women. There was a lot of go to work. Your kids don't need quantity time, they need quality time. Not so. All relationships need quantity of time. Quality is nice too, but quantity is where it's at. So those are two big ones. Just a side note, I never wanted to get married because I'd seen bad marriages and I just thought it's not for me. I'm not doing it. And I never wanted to have children. But then I had a child that I was going to give up for adoption. But then I had this experience where I knew that I wasn't supposed to do that. This is another story. But so now I'm thinking I love her more than life itself, of course, and uh, more than I ever thought because I didn't even like kids. (laughs) I loved her so much. 
way more than evolution required, as one woman said. So I wanted to give her some stability. So I met Ken. I started dating a different kind of guy. So I wanted somebody stable. Anyway, so I think, okay, I'm going to get married. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> but I'm going to have the best marriage possible if I can. I just figured it was just going to go into the gynecologist or something. It's <laughs> just going to be difficult. So I started reading books and applying the principles. And I will tell you that marriage has been the richest fulfillment of peace, happiness, love. It has been awesome. I just loved being married. But I applied principles early on just so I could survive. <laughs> turned out that they were the keys to a great relationship. I did not love writing that chapter because I've spoke on marriage for decades. And I was tired of the topic. I didn't want to do it, but I'm a prayer and I prayed over it. I felt strongly that I needed to put that section in. And just about a month ago, I had a young woman call me and tell me she said that that section saved her marriage. So, you know, even if that one person got something out of it, good. We learned a lot about, as Doris said, we really dove deep into relationships and how it creates a healthy life, healthy community, and basically what you're saying, you know, who you're with really matters to your health, but also the whole loneliness factor. Do you talk about loneliness or what you feel about loneliness? I don't. That would have been a good topic because if we have any lesson from COVID to me, and I, and I felt all the way through, I felt like the isolation we are big supporters of an organization where corporate pillars and have been for years. It's Women and Children's Alliance. It's programs for women in abusive situations. I knew it was going to be off the charts. It hurt my heart the whole time. I said, this isn't right. We're isolating these people. Old people were dying in nursing homes from loneliness. It just, it makes me emotional just to think about it. We did more emotional damage by the way COVID was handled than any amount of lives we saved by doing that. And I really feel strongly about that. We've done more mental health damage it will never turn around. It will hurt us for decades what happened during that time. And it was what you said. exactly. And I wrote that during COVID. I should have said something about it. It's totally true. I, I wish I would have said something about loneliness. But on the other hand, what can you, you know, if somebody's reading my book, I'm not going to be that person who needs it. So people that are reading it need to get out and reach out to the lonely people. The lonely people aren't going to read my book. We need to reach out to those and, and recognize people who are isolated and just to contact and stay closer to those people. My heart breaks for the children and the women who were in isolation with abusive situations that just escalated because of the stress. It was off the charts. You talk about education and all the different ways we can continue to be educated. Trisha and I are lifelong learners. We feel it's really important. And one of the joys of doing this podcast is that we're always learning from people like you and others. So talk about education as one of the areas where we can make changes. All of us, every single day, need to take care of our body, take care of our mind, and take care of our spirit. That's one of the top three things right there is in daily habits is education. We need to use that mind. And the world is so full of things. It's such a critical part in peace to our well-being. I mean, there's so much to learn, so much to do, and you can do it so many different ways. Reading, of course. I require my clients to read every day, read something in their field every day, and then if they at all in a situation where they can, to keep something on their audible so when they're in the car. They can listen to something a little lighter or motivational in their car. When somebody comes to me and we work with a lot of young people, say, can you just help me? I just need a, a hand up. What's one thing I can do? If I get that question, I always say, the one thing you can do is you read 30 minutes in your field every day. You will be a leader in your field before you know it. Lawyers don't do it. Doctors don't. Most people, I don't care what their field is, most people don't do that. They might do their continuing education thing, but to read every day in your field will make you a leader in your field within a really short period of time because almost nobody does it if you can stay current in that field. So that's important. But for your brain to stay healthy, for you to be an interesting person, 
one of the things being we've been married for almost 46 years you know what keeps it interesting well Ken's learning things and I'm learning things and then when we're together we're sharing the things that we learn we have things to talk about we can go to dinner and not have to sit on our phones because we've said everything we have something new to share all the time so it's really good for your relationships makes you more interesting makes you more part of the world just continuing education and traveling will do it the podcasts I, I've been on like about 120 podcasts I don't really listen to podcasts right now. I don't listen to mine <laughs> but if they work for you in some subjects, they're better. But I've met so many great people like you guys who are trying to change the world and the relationships that I've made. I keep thinking every time I do, I think, oh, I'm going to stay in touch with this person. But of course, there's so many. I really liked under this chapter of vocation, money, and lifestyle, where you have a routine for success. And you talk about you've studied the lives of successful people and how their day is organized. Can you tell us about that? Oh, I'd love to. I get to do workshops sometimes in companies, and I really like that. It's one of my favorite things I teach people, small companies. I don't like the big ones that teach them how to organize their day. So it's one of my favorite topics. But anyway, our morning times, our personal development times, there are times they should be sacred, like no matter what. I had a podcast the other day that deals with troubled teenagers, and he said, well, what do we tell the parents when the kids have gone off the rails and you know they're going to be able to hold on to their daily habits? I'm like, no. You need those daily habits ingrained. And when you have times of crisis, you hold to those like an anchor. So every morning is your morning time for you. It's the time you read. It's the time you work out. It's the time that you pray, that you meditate. Whatever things that are important to you and your personal growth, that morning you get up early enough to do those in the morning and that time is sacred and nobody messes with it, right? That's you. You put you first. And then during your day, you have your work day. You organize it. You set a plan. You plan your day. Days rarely go according to plan, but you plan them anyway because they go better if you do. You've got your to-do list and your schedules and all that kind of stuff. So part of your morning routine or evening routine or both should be planning your day. And then the evening is your relationship time. This is a little looser, but it's your time with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends, going to dinner, those kind of things. You still have a few routines you might do before bed, but it's a little looser. So that's the goal. No days are perfect. You never get perfectly done, but you first. But that thing about your own habits with all those kids, you can imagine the ball games, the dance costumes, the laundry, the food, the shopping with all those kids. And I learned pretty quick. If I took care of me first, then I felt pretty good at the end of the day, even if I didn't get some of the stuff done that I needed to do. But if I didn't do me first, I did not feel happy at the end of the day because the laundry can be done tomorrow. The phone call can be made tomorrow. Most things can be done tomorrow on your to-do list. But if you miss today's meditation, you've missed it. If you miss today's workout, you've missed it. And some people say, well, I do it most days. It's, I just do it most days. If you only do it most days, you'll quit. You won't do it for forever most days. And you won't build the character and you won't build the habit every day. If it's important, you do it every day. And you guys have learned this probably with your health habits. You do it every day. Like I don't work out on Sundays and Saturdays I leave open. But Mondays through Fridays, I work out every day. I work out every day. I just do this. I get so many steps every day. I read every day. Whatever else happens, I happen. And, you know, I guess that's also a process too, right? Because you have to train yourself. I think what you're saying, and that's why you have these principles, you have to train yourself to learn to take care of yourself because it doesn't come naturally oftentimes to women in particular. No, it doesn't. I see this all the time in my fitness business, but women will say, I've got all these kids. I can't do it. And I'm like, I had six. You didn't have six. <laughs> sorry. I can stand on firm ground when I tell you this. It's not just be a woman who's a mom or with kids. It can be in business too. But we feel important when we're returning emails and we're putting up fires. We feel like we're doing good things. We feel because we're busy. I'm just too busy. No, it's a different form of laziness. It's harder 
to make sure you take care of yourself first. We so agree with you on that because it's something that we'll fall into. We're like, yeah, yeah, I've got to do this. I got to do that. I'm so busy. I'm I'm so busy. Yeah, we have that, this and that. (laughs) And well, I can't exercise today <laughs> or I won't be able to cook today. It's so important. Yeah. I'm under such demand. I just can't work out. And it enough. doesn't. It fills your time up. And you, you say if it feeds that ego that wants to know it's busy, but at the same time, we're just neglecting really what's most important, which is our ourselves and our health and our physical bodies, as well as our minds. You know what else I learned in that time too is I said, I'm doing this first, no matter if the laundry gets done or the kids, whatever happens, you know, as long as they're alive at the end of the day. What happened was I never had less time. It doesn't even work to neglect yourself. It doesn't even work. You know, you think, oh, I don't have time for that. <laughs> it's true. You get the same amount done when you do your things first. In fact, I think is it helps you determine what's important better. So you just do the important things. Yes. And you feel better taking care of yourself first. The rest of the day, you feel better. Yeah, you feel better. I know it's an old analogy, but it's the putting your oxygen on on the airplane first and then on everybody else, that's that. So we touched on money earlier, but money can conjure up so many emotions. When I was growing up, it was not nice to talk about money or whatever, but you say seeking wealth can be a wholesome endeavor. So I was fascinated with that. Can you talk a little about that? Money sure gets a bad rap, doesn't it? When we sell out for money, when we have our lives out of balance, of course, and that's a problem, but money's a great tool. You can do so much more good in the world if you have money. It is a measure of success. There's nothing wrong with pursuing wealth. You just have to make sure that you do it in its own space. Taking care of your body is no more important than your spirituality, but it's no less so either necessarily. You provide for yourself, then you provide for a family, then you get more money you can provide for many other people. I told you we were able to um, support the Women and Children's Alliance and a major contributor there, but we have other things too. There's so many things we can do. Plus, I couldn't mentor people like I do if I had to go work to make ends meet. I see all these people my age working and older, working at cashiers and working at Home Depot and everywhere. It's unfortunate that our working force has people have to go to work in places like that at that time of life. Money is important for your comfort and for other people, the education. It's just, it's important. And demeaning it is not useful. In fact, the Biden, the people who criticize people who pursue wealth are people who are poor. <laughs> they don't have any. And yet those jobs you mentioned are good jobs for people too. And some need to get out of the house too. Some people is, is going to fend up that loneliness thing. So it's not always a bad thing. But I would hate to have to be in a position where you had to and not used to. We're nearing the end of the list here, but we've got two more things we want to talk about. And of course, one of them is lifestyle. You say that lifestyle can be designed or be accidental. Well, you design your life or you end up with what you get. And lifestyle is both two things. It's, it's how you get to live every day. It's your lifestyle. It's the things, your hobbies, the things you enjoy. We all need some things in there that are not the scheduled, pushing all the time kind of things, but some things that we enjoy. And also it's planned for like, Almost everybody I talk to wants to travel at some point. So it's the planning for travel, the setting yourself up so that your lifestyle is what you want to be in your as you move along. So those two parts. But you can design it or you just have what comes along, which is, you know, it might not be very good. Well, it won't be very good if you don't design it. If you don't design it, your whole life, in fact, your days, design your days so that you can design your life and the lifestyle that you want. I have a really beautiful lifestyle. It exceeded my design. In fact, everything that I planned on has exceeded all the goals that I set. We've exceeded. But my lifestyle is better than I even thought it could be. Last but not least, and I think almost first, is that we live in this crazy divisive world and it seems that character doesn't count anymore. 
But what does it mean to be a person of character? You'll notice at the beginning of that chapter, I talked about how we're drawn to strength. We are drawn to people of character. We always have been. Marcus Aurelius, we've still got a pretty good fan club, right? We've always been drawn to people of strength, but particularly strength of character. I think there's still plenty of room out there, but character is you doing the right thing. We act like people are born with character. They're not. It's something that we work on. If we don't keep track of it, when we're working on our money, maybe we'll cut a corner. But when you're working on your character, you're trying to be honest, a person of integrity, a person who shows up on time, a person who uses clean language, a person who is kind of stand-up guy we admire in the movies, you know? Working on that, if you work on your character, you're not going to let something go in another area that you might otherwise. You're not going to be dishonest there because you're working on your character over here. I'm not going to cheat somebody or cut a corner in my business relationships because my character over here is really important to me. I'm also working on that. Character really is, we're taking care of ourselves when we are the person we believe we want to be. And that is a person of character, you know? So it is an active way of being, right? Having good character or the character that we so chose want to be. Just like everything else, just like your finances or your physical fitness, just right. work on. Maybe a person may be raised with some more morals or whatever than another person, but it's always, all of us can work on it. It's actually my favorite chapter to write. (laughs) Well, I think a mother of six and a grandmother of 21, I think that you obviously understand the importance of character. And as you said, that you're teaching your children now how to be at 67, 68, or how it's going to look going into your 70s. And that's definitely a woman of character. The only other thing that we talked about too is that when we look at the principles and as you were describing them, it's not stagnant. And when you talk and you see that it's not, life is flow, right? Life is moving. I like this thing, you know, you probably heard this analogy, but like a, a life in balance. So balance is like a tightrope walker. When are they do they have perfect balance? They're always adjusting, right? It's always this and this, and that's how life is. The trick isn't to achieve balance. The trick is to move forward in all areas as needed. I've got an assessment, it's on the website, it's free, where you can say, okay, these are the places I'm weak. I'm going to work a little harder on those. I'm still going to work on these because you don't let them go, but I'm going to work, put a little more energy into those. And that's achieving balance as far as that goes. I don't really talk about achieving balance. I don't really believe it's possible. Right. And I, don't, I don't think it's even necessarily needful. Sherry, so what's next for you and for you and Ken? What are you up to or what's happening? The book came out in 2021 in May. In July, it was on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. And so I would really like to, and it was going out in the media that somehow that I had gotten on the New York Times bestseller list. I did not, but I was still looking that direction. But I, I had a commitment to do so many podcasts. There we go. So many podcasts. And for two years, I would promote the book. So it, that, that would be July, from July to July. So I'm going to promote the book. And so I'm looking for some new direction, but I developed a planner. It's going to be, I'm still working on it that, that has a place for affirmations and you're tracking your goals. So the people that I teach, we do this, right? We're trying to, in your day planner, trying to find a way to put those records in there. So I've developed, a, it's really nice. I'm still working on getting some of the details now before I put it on Amazon. It is for sale. I'm just selling it personally right now until I get a few more things done, but it's really, really very nice. So I'm going to work on that for the next couple of years. And um, that's a big thing for me. And then I'm going to kind of regroup in July and decide what to do with Life Mastery. And I'm still seeing clients. So how can people find you? What's your website and all of that? Well, I'm Sherry at lifemasteryinfo.com. You have to make sure it says info because Life Mastery wasn't available. And that's how you can get hold of me personally. I always return my emails 
anybody that sends me a personal email. Now, of course, not spam ones. I don't return those. And then the website, of course, is Life Mastery Info. And the book is on Amazon. It's also an Audible. If you want to get an autographed copy, you can get hold of me in hardback. And we are revamping the book a little bit, changing the picture and updating it. Because I went gray. <laughs> the character thing, you know, I don't want to put a picture of myself out that doesn't look like me, even though it's only two years old. I wanted to update the picture so I wasn't to look like one of those people <laughs> did that. So, Well, thank you so much for being on our podcast on Health Gig. We love having you and thank you for the work that you do. It's incredible and certainly inspirational. So thank yes. you. So I'm trying, <laughs> doing my best. Thank you for joining us on Health Gig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well. Have you ever done the Enneagram personality test? What's great about it is that it tells you how you are when you are stressed and also when you are thriving. Conscious Leadership Group has worked with well over a thousand leaders across all industries, including CEOs and top leaders of Fortune 200 companies, and they are looking forward to working with all of us at Gasparilla this year to help you with your testing and also to walk you through how to discover the secret of your personality and its dynamics with the ones you love. Call 877-764-1420 or visit the Gasparilla Inn website at the dashgasperilla-in.com to register for this year's November experience.